Stepping on the beach. The only place to go and read your emails and tweets. Hashtag full squad today. I'm Skeets. We got Task, Trey, Lee, and JD. As always, we want to thank everyone who sent in their questions this past week. Keep them coming. Email us, nodunks at theathletic.com, or tweet them in at nodunksinc, or use that hashtag nodunks. We got another beautiful crop of cues. You know what's beautiful? I'm just watching the audio levels pump as stepping on the beach pumps in. It's awesome. It's amazing. Here, eight microphone levels or eight jack levels. My <laughs> God, it's a blast. All right, let's get this started. Question number one. Good day, Dinks. With this year's championship race still wide open, which NBA superstar or veteran would you most like to see get their first ring? Personally, I'd like to see James Harden prove all the doubters slash haters wrong and finally take over in the playoffs. Also, with the possibility of Derrick Rose being traded to a contender, I think he'd be a veteran a lot of people would like to see get one as well. Thanks a lot for the great content. Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Daniel in Perth, Australia. Yeah, Harden to me is the most obvious one. I think it helps his legacy the most. Um, pulling off the Dirk 2011-like championship run if he could do it. Because that's where he's killed, obviously. I mean, he's already cemented himself as one of the greatest maybe offensive players of all time and what he's done in the regular season. But when he gets to the playoffs, he's had some some rough outings. So if he could put it together for one particular April, May, and then into June, yeah. it's gonna He's going to sort of – he would skyrocket, I think, up a lot of people's charts if he got that done. No doubt about it. And if Harden gets one, that means Westbrook gets one as well. Huh. So the Rockets winning one, and I mean, if you want to get crazy, you can even throw in Tabo Cephalosha. Part of that Thunder team in you 2012, crazy. we thought the big three of Tabo, Russ, and Harden would win multiple championships. This would be their first one, and yeah, it would be a legacy changer for Harden, most importantly, but Westbrook as well. Yeah. I would like to see Chris Paul get one then, based on the uh, legacy changing, because he's also had some flameouts in the playoffs where his teams have been close and uh, have fallen apart, most notably, I think, against the... Houston Rockets, about 2015 it was, where they're up 3-1, and then they uh, and they blew it, and they went out in seven. And uh, Chris Paul's another one. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a lock for that. He's got all the other accolades uh, that you need on your on your resume to be uh, considered one of the greats, except for just even getting close. He's never been to a conference finals, I believe. Oh, no, he has. Sorry, he has with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. That's right, yes. Um, but uh, never been to the finals. And, and the, the resurgence we've seen from him this season, I think, is showing that he's still got a little bit left in the tank there with a bit of a, a motley crew of players. Uh, it would take a lot for him to get the Thunder to the, to the finals, of course, in the West this year. They're very deep. But it'd be great if he could do it, if he could pull it off. I think that would also uh, change a lot of the... Um, you know, a lot of the opinion of him out there as well. A lot of yeah. people hate him and don't like him. Uh, similar in the sort of same sort of vein as James Harden. People liked him at the start, then kind of got sick of him with all the whinging and the flopping and the complaining that he went through there with LA. But now he's back and, and unexpectedly doing well in uh, in OKC. So that'd be a great story, I think. Like with all three of those guys, Harden, Westbrook, and Chris Paul, they're already on like a lot of people's lists, top 10s lists, whatever, top 15 lists of their position of all time, I think. Like they're in that mix, but getting a title... They, they all three of them would sort of like jump a couple of people probably right when you then you when you start to uh, readdress it again so yeah it would help all three of these guys you guys went for the big boys the hall of famers yeah. I, I was looking at more of a, a ring chaser a more of a role player type guy okay uh, I picked Kyle Korver, a guy who's been around a long time this is year 17 for Kyle Korver. he's in that 03 drafts easy to forget that second rounder he's been plodding along plodding along now he's playing with Giannis Antetokounmpo trying to help him become a better shooter Never talks to him about being a better shooter, but apparently he does it through Giannis's 
coach, his shooting coach, uh, he, Corver tells him, "Hey, help him shoot." <laughs> and uh, and it would be it would be like Corver, you know, never uh, never a prominent guy on a team. He was a, a one-time All-Star, but he could have changed the, the Cavs' fortunes. The first year, Kevin Durant iced the Cavs in, in 2017. It was 2-0 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Game three at home. Last minute, Corver had a shot in the corner set up by LeBron. It went clank, clank, two rims and out. That's his shot. That's his money shot. Steph Curry couldn't get out to him. Ball goes the other way. KD puts it in LeBron's eye. Series over. And uh, maybe he can get – he'll he'll have some shots, opportunities with the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals, I, I do think. I don't think it's going to be like a, a Tracy McGrady trying to get one with <laughs> the Spurs in, in mm. 2013. I think he'll, he'll have a shot, so – Good luck to Kyle in year 17. Yeah, I like that pick. I, I mean, you might know this answer task because maybe you got his page up, but I was looking at Kyle Corver's basketball reference page while you were talking there. I'm like, how many times has he played in the playoffs? How many games has he played in the playoffs? This is maybe for you other guys because maybe Tess has it in mm. front of him, but like, how many games do you A think lot. Kyle Corver has played? Yeah, playoff games. Those early six of teams, I think, made the playoffs. Jazz and the Bulls. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, Hawks. he was always there. Yeah, he's probably played 100 games. Yeah, uh, give me 106. I don't. I don't have it up. I oh. just have the draft up. Okay. Give me 107. Um, <laughs> well, you would. You would win uh, if we were yes. playing sort of prices right rules. Stop. 135 games he's played in the yeah. playoffs. Started 49 of those. Yeah, he actually only had one year with the Sixers in the playoffs and only played in five games. But had, you know, went a couple times with the Jazz. Went a couple times with the Bulls. Went you know, four years there with the Hawks. And then he did go to the finals with those mm. Cavs teams that couldn't get it done. And then even the Jazz last year, he got into four games. Um, but, yeah, 135. I like that pick, though. That's a good call. Yeah, we went with the heavy hitters. You went with one more of those vets that a lot of people would be cheering for to, to ultimately get one. And he's got a good chance at it this year. And people are cheering for Vince to get traded here mere hours before the trade deadline. But he doesn't care. No. It doesn't. No, he definitely doesn't because he's had many chances. It's up to him. Like, every team wants him on their roster. Um, You know, obviously being such a great teammate, he has decided to come to Atlanta the last couple for for basically reasons off the floor, right? You know, sort of uh, family-related things with his daughter nearby and stuff like that. So, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to care. Yeah, and he plays. And that's the other thing is that he's <laughs> signing on teams where he's going to be playing serious minutes. Uh, maybe not the case if he's on a championship-level team. How about Jonas Valanciunas leading the the Cinderella Grizzlies to a championship, getting that ring that the Raptors <laughs> denied him earlier wow. this oh year? That's God. the motivation. Win one for JV. Yeah, <laughs> St- yeah stick it. Uh, all the other guys on the Grizzlies <laughs> sticking it to Andre Iguodala, but JV <laughs> sticking it to those Raptors who didn't give him a ring. I like that one, too. All right, next one. Hi, no Dunkaroos. I'm watching the Jazz Blazers game from Saturday and realize that some of Damian Lillard's shots, oh, I just giggle because some of them feel like they shouldn't be possible. I've had similar reactions to a few other players during great games, namely Steph and Clay Thompson. Are there any players that you have a unique reaction to because of the absurdity of their skill? That's from Jonathan down in Dallas, Texas. Mm. Well, not so much a skill, but we saw just last night Zion going up against Giannis. That was fun. And there was a couple of moments there, the two of them really going at each other's one where Zion drives in and Giannis's arm seems to grow an extra foot to sort of block the shot and slap it away. But then later on, Giannis gets a rebound. This is Giannis we're talking about. He's a monster of a man. And Zion just ripped the ball out of his hands, like a, taking a, a, literally taking candy from a baby. And you don't often see Giannis look sort of not weak but but outmatched and outclassed yeah. especially by such a young guy um it's, it's it's been very exciting seeing zion come back and play so well 
for the Pelicans uh, since he's come back from that injury. And last night, it was a real sort of show of strength. And uh, a couple of times as well, he goes into the paint and he hits some guys. And, I mean, the guys bounce off him. It's not like he's bouncing off those other guys. So I just can't wait to see him, you know, getting fully healthy and fit. And then, uh, you know, again, as his body matures even more, when in the next couple of years, we're going to see, like, him just taking bodies with him everywhere he goes, I think. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting to see. Man, if you like bodies, that was the game for you <laughs> last night. You got Brandon Ingram out there, Giannis, Zion, and Eric Bledsoe, who is skating by on it, having a crazy body. He's got LeBron's arms on, like, a normal-sized person's <laughs> body. True. So, yeah, watching Giannis and Zion the couple of times they met at the rim was awesome. That little tip move that Zion did where he kind of botched the layup there at the end, that was cool to see. Like, I mean, seeing a guy that size doing the things he do does, <laughs> doing the things he does, looking like a guard out there, it's it's crazy to see. It's crazy to see a refrigerator literally just <laughs> running around. We haven't even really talked about Zion much on this podcast. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, was what happened with Kobe and the timing of it all, with him coming back just before that. But, yeah, in seven games, he's averaging 20 and 8, mm-hmm. you know, a couple assists, shooting 55% from the floor, 44% from three, because really because of that one crazy game that he had in his first game where he caught fire. But really solid. I mean, and, and he looks like he belongs out there. He didn't – like, I think I heard – I forget who it was. Maybe it was – Maybe it was Zach Harper on the ding this morning. I thought it was a great way to put it. Zion against Giannis in the Bucks. I mean, they lost. Zion did not have a good game, but he's still one of those players where he's having an impact on the mm-hmm. game. You know, you, you look at his final box score, it's like, ugh, he didn't shoot the ball well and got blocked a couple times, but he still has an impact. He is one of those sort of special like players where you're like, yeah, even on a bad night, he's making things happen. So, yeah, I have, I've got Giannis as my answer for this. I mean, I think we actually take it for granted already some of the stuff he does and we don't even sort of blink anymore or it's not even that big of a highlight but just like the power with the crazy length and when he euros around guys and then still throws down like a windmill type dunk it's just like you don't really see that Mm. and it's like there's only a handful of guys maybe even only him that can do some of these things so I've got him as that absurd skill that still pops out to me and you're like what how and he's only gonna get better in theory that's the crazy part yeah I, I had Zion it's tough uh tough to look away when he's on the floor I mean it doesn't matter that he shot 5 of 19 you're just waiting for him to explode because it's like he goes from with not even bending his knees to like at the rim in a split second mm-hmm. and he talked about his second jump layup after the game not working tonight when have you ever heard a guy talk about <laughs> that like, but that's part of his game to be faster yep. to a second jump than other guys just to hey I'll throw it up off the board if it doesn't work out doesn't work out because I got a second jump even though I'm 280 and 6'6 and looking like a refrigerator that's a very good description of, uh, of just pure athleticism it's so fun to watch him and yeah it has been uh, the, the hype has been tempered because of the tragedy last week um, but he's he's been fulfilling it and now he's playing a ton of minutes he's playing 32 minutes last night 33 minutes the, the game before and so he's out there and he is uh he's making an impact he's cool to watch one thing you said like that second jump and like just his explosiveness it is crazy in his body it's one thing like a guy like to me like sean marion could do that because like of his size and stuff like that makes more sense he just like looks like a springy guy but I've heard people compare Zion when he's not doing those crazy sort of second jumps or obviously dunking or stuff like that. He sort of looks like a guy wearing a bathrobe and slippers <laughs> um, and the rest of the time, and then he does these explosive moves. That's yeah. the weird sort of pairing of this guy that he's not like he's not like that all the time. Mm. You know, he's not moving like that 24-7 when he's out there, but he has these little 
just bursts. Well, you saw that with that block, I think it was over the weekend, where he just jumps yeah, up and he yeah. just like sends it about 25 rows back. And it's, it's like there is something in his shoes, you know, like he's, he's like getting some... jets. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And the running gate walking gate didn't change whatsoever is that is that correct because <laughs> who knows because when he's walking off the floor like during a timeout it's still left to right oh it's right waddles to left. yeah yeah maybe he should just always run <laughs> like it just looks awkward when he's moving at a, at a normal person's pace so just <laughs> keep it sped up a little bit i guess i don't know 1.2 speed yeah <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> all right next one here Hey, no Dunkaroos. Is Luka Doncic really that good? I know he is good, but is, is he really an all-star starter? I feel like Dame was more deserving than he was. Anyway, who is a player that everyone thinks is amazing, but you're not that sure? That's from Nicholas R. Well, this was a e- weird, weird email. I mean, I get I get the idea that maybe Lillard should be starting over Luka. Yeah. And Lillard, by the way, just he somehow didn't win player of the month. Is that correct? The mm-hmm. last month? I don't know what the heck happened there. But he didn't get it. Um, so I get that part of the email, but yeah, Lu- yeah, Luke is good. <laughs> I mean, let's just nip that in the bud. He's really, really, really good. Um, I actually, I guess it just throws people off because he's not super athletic. Okay. And just yeah. people are like, this guy's moving slow. Is he just good because he's got space, or is he? Okay. I don't know. It just throws people off. I guess. I was actually going to say for my answer to this would be the other Maverick star. Mm. Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Now, this is bad timing for me to say KP because in the two games he's last played, he went th- for 35 and 12 in the loss to the Rockets, and then he followed it up. He missed a game in between, and then he went for 38 and 12 versus the Pacers in a win and played well. But before that, I mean, you know, again, a big part of it is, of course, him coming back from injury, but you see him a lot of times, and I do go, I mean, is this guy really like an all star, all NBA guy? You see flashes of it. Yeah. But then you see a whole lot of other times where you're like, uh, ooh, you Bargnani. Said a, yeah, that's, you <laughs> right. said a couple of weeks ago, you Sometimes. said there's flashes of Bargnani, and I'd never, ever considered that until you said it. And even then, I was like, ah, what's he talking about? <laughs> but since then, I have to say, you see a couple of times, that little pump fake that he does, and then he sort of, he drives in and stops, and he'll either turn it over or just change his mind. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> ooh I think Skeetsy might actually admit this one here. Yeah, but, but I, I'm giving him... Uh, Honestly, the end of this season, he yes. gets his whole season as a as a pass. I agree because of the uh, significant time he missed, and, yep. and I do believe he, he's further away from Andrea than getting closer to him. I think. Okay. I think, but uh, uh, I would ag- I do agree with that. I as have well. to say, I, I, I since you said it, I've noticed a couple of little things there. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's tough though. It's it's certainly tough. He's on a new team, new system, um, and there's a superstar now next to him. He never had that in New York, really. Not like certainly not in Luca's position anyway. So. Um, he's he's adjusting and he's uh, he's been in and out of the lineup as well this season, which has made it difficult for him to get into any real consistent float. Yeah. Is there anyone else, though, you'd have on this list? I've got a couple of guys who are similar quality, I would say, to Porzingis. Porzingis has an all-star game under his belt, but these guys are going to be... It always feels like they're a little bit in the mix. Like, maybe you could toss them a vote. Okay. Tobias Harris and TJ Warren. They yeah. score a lot of points, yeah. you know, and Good you're happy to have them, I suppose, if, uh, if they're a third option, maybe a fourth option, but I just don't know. I just don't know if they're actually helping their teams win a lot. I mean, I, at least you're seeing a little bit more with T.J. Warren this year. He played for terrible Suns teams for the entirety of his career, but he's been successful, obviously, in Indiana that we had uh, some Pacer pals trying to convince us that it wasn't Malcolm Brogdon who was the second all-star. It was T.J. Warren, mm-hmm. and maybe that's true, but I just have a hard time telling – 
if Warren and Tobias Harris are guys who are actually like important to have on your team or if they're going to score 18 points a game because they're pretty decent players and there's just 18 points out there to be scored. Yeah, yeah but I guess the, the weird part with those guys is do people really think they're amazing? Maybe, maybe I guess the Pacer pals think Warren maybe is, and maybe their Sixers fans think the same with Harris. But I would say the general consensus is good oh, yeah. players, maybe not great players. But that's why you're right; they're always sort of in the mix for an All Star. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, ha- I actually had TJ down there uh, until I took him off too, because I was like, eh, do people really think he's all that amazing? I don't know. I don't know. I like him, but <laughs> he probably isn't. But he's good. Whenever your team trades for Tobias Harris, similar to TJ Warren, you're like, nice, yeah, nice. I got me some Tobias Harris, and then you have him, you're like. Huh. Oh, I can see right. why it was traded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a little more. It's like yeah. primo pasta and sauce. Give me some more. And that contract he's got, I think that's going to be, uh, at some point, the Sixers are going to be like, this is a little too extravagant for what he gives us, really. Because you're right, he can get you 20 points any night, sort of efficiently too, shoots the ball well, but it just doesn't seem to have that real punch behind it. Yeah, you he, know? D- he just never, f- he never has felt like, uh, a franchise guy no. by any means no. but you know, still he still obviously can help a team win some games anyone else Tess? Uh, people think that Trey Young's not all that good but putting up the numbers empty stats sort of like Trey was mentioning about uh, the TJs and the, to- the Tobies um, but I'm not in that camp and maybe he'll shut everybody up when it comes to All-Star Weekend, and he shows how, how great he is. I mean, a lot of people think those stats are just uh, great numbers on a bad team, especially because he has he's on the absolute worst team. That won't last long, though. Cleveland Cavaliers, they're beelining to that spot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I understand. I understand what's going on with uh, the Trey Young perspective out there, especially because he struggles on the, the defensive end and because all his highlights are generally – not assists. They're all buckets, so people just think he's trying to get his own. But he does pass. It does happen. Next one, Dinks. My stupid wizards. Look like they have <laughs> just enough talent and hustle to finish ninth or 10th in the East, all but assuring a pick at the end of the draft lottery, given our luck. With this in mind, can you think of a time you wanted something to fail, but it just wouldn't? Thanks for keeping me company on my long runs. That's from Adam in Richmond, Virginia. He's upset with his stupid Wizards because they're making a playoff push because every team makes a playoff push in the Eastern Conference. That's just the way it is, Adam. But, yeah, I like that one. Maybe there was a, a time where you wanted something to fail, but it just just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't say that I was rooting against them uh, and that I wanted them to fail, but the impractical jokers are killing it right now. <laughs> oh, you can thank, they are. You can thank Jared are you Dent me? for that. They've made, like, 230 episodes, and now they're making a movie? movie. How do you make a movie out of the Impractical Jokers? Probably just the exact same thing. Yeah, but it's it's just like an hour and a half long episode, I oh, guess, okay. with a little bit of a plot to it. Like, they have to travel around doing their Impractical Jokes. Do they need a plot? I mean, Jackass made three movies? It's yeah. a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> and yeah. they were great. <laughs> I love them. What? The Jackass movies? <laughs> yeah. Do you watch pract- Impractical Jokers? No. Yeah, I, I mean, okay, my, our buddy, Jared, uh, he loves them. Like, anytime I ever go over to his, he has them all on his DVR. Every single episode. <laughs> really? Yeah. He loves them. He's, and a, he's a company man, though. He's a bit of a company man, but he actually really <laughs> believes in this product, in the Impractical Jokers. And he was there from day one. He, he, they are, I mean, so I've seen a lot of them, because whenever I'm at Jared's house, he puts <laughs> them on. And you can't help but, but watch them sometimes. Or I've been at cottages with Jared. He's got it on DVD or something like that. He's throwing it on. Anyway, I've seen a lot of them. It's fine. I definitely don't seek it out. But man, yeah, these guys like go on cruise ships I and know. like sell out. Yeah. Every, like they sell out live shows. Like they're big time. I mean, I think they're making a ton of money. 
uh, the four of these guys. There, might, there may have been some friction at times Ooh, between what? some of them. Yeah, I think you know, you look like us. You know, you work a lot of hours together. You get tired of each and other. These guys are like times. buddies from like high school. Yeah, or they something are. like that. They are longtime friends, I believe. But uh, I think they've all, you know, hey, look, they're getting paid enough. They patch it all up and <laughs> move on to the next cruise. I saw there was like one season where the guy lo- who lost had to wear a wig made out of the other guy's hair for an entire season. Yeah, now that's a pick and pay off. They you get behind. They do do some crazy that's things. Yeah. They, they, they do indeed. Um, so that is a good answer, though. We're, we're, but the, you, we're the original Impractical Jokers. Didn't we do a pick and payoff where Tass was in your ear skeets and you were out on the streets yeah, of Toronto? Yeah. 100%. I mean, repeating that's, everything that he said? That's a that's a majority of what they do. You're right. Um, they'll send one of the guys into a grocery store and then yeah feed them lines and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I guess we were in a weird way. Mm. <laughs> we should have ran with that, I yeah. guess. <laughs> guess so. And whenever you're flicking through and you see True TV, they're always on. It's 24 oh, hours. Oh, yeah, sure. 24 yeah. hours of the jokesters. They're coming to uh, rural Georgia, not rural, suburban Georgia, Duluth. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's go see them August 8th. Well, I'm sure no. Jared already bought us a box. He's <laughs> <laughs> got him on DVD, too. No, I, I may have been kidding with oh. that one. He's got originals cottage. and backup I think, copies. I think we were just at a cottage that had, obviously, oh, whatever cable. True okay, TV or something cable. Yeah. That's like one of the things he searches for on the Airbnb. He's like, must have impractical jokers. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Why not? Any uh, <laughs> hot tub, impractical jokers. Bullet point. Yeah. <laughs> um, barbecue. It's a he know you can like you can put it on though, like let's just say you threw it on TV and he knows like that episode who wins it like he knows the the whole thing like it's wild man he just loves it that much but anyway I was I was in the Bahamas and we're leaving our resort and one of the impractical jokers was uh, kissing his loved one goodbye it was, mm. it was a bit of a celebrity setting <laughs> like where would you rank that on a celebrity setting was that a uh, well, it depends. Was it Murr? Was it Sal? Was it Joe? Or was it Q? Yeah. It was, um, was it James Murr Murray? There was is a, it, yeah, there was a Or was it Brian Q. Quinn? Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. You don't know which one it was? Well, it wasn't Sal. It wasn't Salvatore Volcano. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> who is who? Has, yeah, I know. Uh, don't, uh, I don't. I don't even know. I can't even help us out. And I appear to know the most about them. Um, I do have an answer for this. I'm going Raptors, final game of the 2011-12 season. Tass, you might remember this. This is the infamous Ben Uzo triple-double game <laughs> versus the Nets. The Raps played seven guys in this game, and they beat the Nets by 31 points. Now, why is this important? Because that was the, the shortened season, and that victory tied them with the Warriors for the exact same record, 23-43 and 43 on the year. So then they had to go to the coin flip. And the Raptors lost it. So, you know, the Raptors just lose that game. Ben Uzo doesn't go off. They don't pound the Nets by 31. Then they would have got the seventh pick. Instead, it went to the coin flip, and they got the eighth pick. Now, ultimately, did it matter? Yes, the Raptors missed out on Harrison Barnes. Um, Instead, got Terrence Ross. But, you know, it's a funny little what if, if uh, they win that coin toss or if they lose that game. But it was one of those classic, like, what are you guys doing? Don't lose. Or don't win, excuse me, This these final games. It happens all the time. They had lost. They had done a good job. I think they had lost like three or four prior to that. And then they finish off the season with a bang, getting that win. But Ben Uzo, at least he got a triple-double. Yeah, nice. One of the greatest names to get a triple-double for sure. I got a quick answer as well, since we love talking light bulbs on this show. Uh, I'm waiting for light bulbs to fail in my house because I desperately want to change them, but I'm too... <laughs> cheap slash lazy to go change uh, a bulb that's 
working. Right. Uh, I, I want to change it to a different colored light bulb, but I just, I just don't care enough to you have to, throw uh, it out. You have to bite the bullet on this one because I was the same. I was like, I'm just going to wait for them all to blow and then replace <laughs> them all. But you can't because some of them do last the nine years that they claim on the box <laughs> and do, others yeah. last like three months. <laughs> right. And so you're sort of like, I've got half, you know, discolored uh, bulbs and then I've got a couple of slots empty. I'm like, all right. So one day I just went and replaced them all. Must have felt good. It did, actually. It did. I didn't even care how much it cost. I said, just wow. give, me, give me the eight pack of those. Give me the six pack of those. I shoved them all in there. Wow. Throwing around Baller. money at those. Yeah. <laughs> Feels great, though, when you have consistent lighting in your house. It does. Mm-hmm. Lighting is everything, I've heard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Feels great when you have consistent lighting in your house. Is a good line. God. <laughs> okay, next one here. Unless anybody wants to add... To that no okay. uh, I loved all the talk about the all boost team it's the all butts team the all caboose team but what about skinny guys I guess it must be pretty difficult to play in the NBA while being that thin nevertheless the all-time skin and bones team looks good <laughs> Manu Bull Kevin Durant Tayshawn Prince Reggie Miller and Rip Hamilton would the skinny guys beat the all boost squad and who is your favorite skinny guy in the league retired or active Big thanks. Congrats to Tassia. That's me. Thank you, Adam, who is a Pole, as he puts it, living in Switzerland. Hmm. Yeah, would that uh, – well, I can't remember who we had on the all-boost team, so it's tough to compare the two squads. But you got Kevin Durant. Yeah. That's good. Tayshaun and Reggie and Rip, for crying out loud, um, on the uh, skin and bones team. That's a pretty good squad. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, again, KD being one of the best players of all time. And he's definitely on this team. Guys. And you got the youngster in uh, Brandon Ingram. He's going to... Uh, yeah, yeah, stretch. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be in the mix. He is yeah. very skinny. Do you think uh, Kevin Garnett is a skinny guy? Yeah, Like, as a player, yes. But when we saw him in person around the uh, Turner Studios, he was way bigger, I thought. Yes. But, but he kind of was finished playing as well. So he you know, naturally put on a little bit. But as a, when he when, Young, young Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Kevin Garnett, for sure. Uh, yeah, I guess I, in my mind, he got a little bigger mm-hmm. and stronger as Strong he matured. Arms, for and, sure. Yeah. And, and got to the Celtics and won a championship. Mm. So maybe just, like I said, younger KG, he's on my team, but probably had to get bumped. I don't know who else. I've got Jamal Crawford on there. I think he's always oh. been a thin guy. I mean, Lou Williams is pretty yeah. pretty damn thin too. Corey yeah. Brewer, he's on the bench. Oh, yeah. He had like, there was no gradient to the size of his leg from ankle to yeah. knee. Oh, <laughs> that's a stick. <laughs> just a stick, a smiley stick. <laughs> Yeah, that is the weirdest when there's it's just the exact same <laughs> yeah. from the ankle all the way up to the groin. It's like, oh my god, it's weird. Even for me, who basically has that, it like changes a little bit on me. <laughs> you got a strong calf. Uh, yeah, the up. calf helps me out all the running, but otherwise it's pretty stick-like. <laughs> yeah, Corey Brewer, he's got to be on there. Anyone else on skin and bones? What about Brent Perry? Bones. Bones was pretty skinny uh, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May have bulked up a little bit. Yeah. That's why he wore the jacket in the dunk contest. You yeah. Know, he wanted to puff himself out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, Good day, fellas. I got into the NBA when I was around 15, and LeBron was always my guy. After a few years of following, I found a love affair for Steph Curry in the 2011 season. I told all my friends that Steph Curry was the next big thing, often saying he would surpass LeBron. Went down to my local tab every year and bet on him for MVP. In 2015, Curry was 51 to 1 odds. Great payout. I purchased a signed ball for $250, now worth $1,000. This is from Curry. Things were great, and I was certain I was a great talent scout. 
Anyway, I got way ahead of myself, and in 2016, I declared I was now a Timberwolves fan. I bought a Wiggins ball, a Towns ball, and way too much Wolves merchandise. Now I sit here in a room full of Cat and Wigs merch, really regretting my decision. I constantly cop smack from my friends, and they send me the Timberwolves score every game. My question, though, to you guys is, when is the time you got ahead of yourself basketball-wise and you were unable to live it down? That's from Dylan R. Hmm. Well, sticking with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, when we when Brandon Roy had to kind of retire due to injury, we thought he was done, and then he came back for the Timberwolves. And I thought, he could still be an All-Star. Hmm. Because I thought, you know, he's lost the athleticism, sure, but I still thought he was a smart player and he would adjust his game, he'd round out his game, and he'd still be able to deliver. But uh, unfortunately, those knees and that meniscus was just gone. Right. And he was never able to get even close to back to being that star player. But I was confident. I thought, he's such a good player that he'll, he'll just figure out a way to still be effective, hitting those threes, running the point, just being a smart player. But uh, sadly, never it never came to fruition. Mm. Mm. And I've heard about that one a few times over the years. The Brandon Roy. That's pick. fine. Yeah. Are you still um, you still in Kevin Knox's corner? You still going to bat for Knox because you were high on yeah, him. Yeah, it, it hasn't been a great season for Kev. Ooh, that's that's true. No I, I like I like his shooting style. I like his uh, mechanics. I think he's going to be a good shooter. But it's that situation in New York. Yeah, I'm just, just wondering because yeah. you know, I see some Knicks fans. They want to. They, they want to still out. believe, but well, then there are other that are like, "Yeah, the ship has sailed already. Get yeah. him out of here." The people are torn, but I just want to know yeah. where you were. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. He needs it's just a new new team, yeah. I think. But uh, yeah, I, li- I like I like the good things about him, but uh, it's hard to succeed in that environment. Well, I was getting excited on Tuesday night, being one of the lone habitants of Wiggins Island, <laughs> and I was excited because you guys were seeing the rumors just like I was on Twitter. The possibility of like, whoa, 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 is this happening? Is Wiggins going to the Warriors? Is there some sort of move to be made? Is Russell going to the Wolves? Oh, my goodness. I was getting excited. I was tweeting out that uh, beachfront property was still available on Wiggins Island. If you're still interested, we would include a flight for you to come and check out the island in advance, private pools, free Wi-Fi. We would wave wave your subway franchise fees if you're still interested (laughs) in opening a subway. Um, But, yeah, nothing has happened as of uh, recording this one. So... I'm there, though. I'm not buying a Wiggins signed ball. I'll tell you that. That's next level. <laughs> what a waste. A waste of money doing that for any player in my mind. But, uh, yeah, you got to do you there, Dylan. I would love to see the Warriors give it a shot. I think they're, they've got enough pride, enough hubris to believe they could turn Wiggins into a champ. They believe it. Why not? I mean, Why shouldn't they? In the right situation, yeah, he definitely, he definitely could contribute. I, and you yeah. can't tell me he couldn't. Um, it's not. It's just never going to now happen in Minnesota. Um, it just won't. I don't think. At, with the with meaning of the expectations and and all of that. But yeah, you, if he's the third or fourth guy on a on a really good team, send him to Cam Popovich he, for a, for a year or two and see if Pop can get in. You want to you want to Rudy Gay him up? Is that what you want to do? Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's see. Let's right. see what Pop can do. All right. Yeah, I'm still holding out some hope. Uh, my answer for this is Jason Maxiel, obviously. <laughs> right? I mean, we've said this millions of times now. I was high on Jason Maxiel early, mm-hmm. and he let me down. Anyone else got uh, pretty excited about somebody that ultimately uh, disappointed? 
I don't know if you would say disappointed, but Drew Holiday, after he dominated Damian Lillard in the 18 playoffs, I would have thought that guy's going to go to an all-star game at some point, and he was on the all-defensive team, and he's still been a solid player for the Pelicans, but those games against Lillard, he looked like the best player in the league. Yeah. He looked like Kawhi Leonard playing as a point guard, yeah. and he, I mean, the size was just overwhelming for Lillard, and then, you know, Drew was motivated offensively and aggressive offensively and that was a problem for Lillard as well but I think uh, basically since that moment Lillard has risen even higher as a star and has kind of uh, solidified himself amongst the best point guards in the game where Drew is a guy that we're always saying in the right situation he could be perfect in the playoffs he could be perfect and maybe that's the thing is that if he gets back to the playoffs and has to play some meaningful games, we're seeing playoff Drew. But yeah. I don't know if it's a if it's an every night thing for him. It didn't help when uh, GM David Griffin came out and said uh, Drew Holiday could be in the MVP conversation at the start of the season. <laughs> I mean, that gets you really excited too. You're like, oh god, I believe Griff. This guy knows what's up. He's telling me Drew Holiday might be an MVP. That's right. Hell yeah! All right, let's see it. And then, you know, look, injuries always hurt him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good one, Drew Holiday. Tass, you got one? I kind of thought Alex Len out of Maryland was going to be great. But uh, he stole my sunshine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not too many times, not too many more opportunities to use that joke. I, I'm not. I'm hopefully, hopefully, Alex Len will provide some opportunities to tell that joke. Hopefully, I think he you're getting around. another one. I heard his name <laughs> pop up a couple of times when people are talking about buyout centers that are possible. So somebody, somebody's gonna take a chance. People believe in Alex Len. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you'd think if there was any time he would be get getting some burn right now with the uh, the Atlanta Hawks, and he's had an opportunity with the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. but he's he had fine. a good game or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine here or there. Yeah, not, you're right though. Not a good sign when he's on the worst team in the league, and we're still barely talking about him. Yeah, I think, well, uh, yeah. Well, you you uh, actually Skeets, you just sent me something on Instagram, which which is sort of relevant to uh, this emailer talking about purchasing a ball mm. it went up in value from 250 bucks to a thousand dollars you sent me a a profile that sells old wrestling action figures correct now in uh when i was in college a friend of mine said that her boyfriend wanted to purchase my action figures at five dollars a pop because huh. i had them I don't know how she knew that I had these action figures because I wasn't playing with them as a as a as a college boy, but uh, I did have thirty in my bag, and I said five not in my backpack but in my bag. <laughs> Carrying uh, around, <laughs> who wants one? I said five bucks pop. No way, no way. You can tell Craig that uh, I, they're not for sale. He didn't come back with a, another offer. He didn't come to the negoti- <laughs> negotiation. You went too hard, Tass. You went too hard. Yeah, but I'm fine with it now because this Instagram account that Skeet sent over, they're selling them for like 50 bucks a yeah, pop. Yeah, we're what? talking about like those old sort of harder plastic that you really couldn't bend all that much, like maybe, what, six, seven inches high, something mm-hmm. like that. Like those cla- the classic wrestling figures that we all grew up back yeah. in the late 80s, early 90s. So um, I'm wow, waiting. 50 bucks a pop. So you still have yours. Yeah, they're not in mint condition. And, and these Instagram, because I played with them hard. Yeah, oh, yeah. The paint comes <laughs> off. Yeah. And they're in my backpack. So they're rumbling around. <laughs> but um, hopefully one day, one day I'll sell them for 50 bucks a pop. Now, did you, uh, <laughs> did you have the ring and everything? I did, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Decals still on? I didn't really. Uh, decals, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. 
I'm interested. Maybe we can get some decals from our, our neighbors. You're interested? How much? How much? You, how much? How much? You think? I mean, I'd like to see your collection. I guess. I mean, what are we talking? Pretty you got, good. You got a mean gene in there? Ooh, I don't know. I had that one. I do remember. <laughs> Mine are all gone now, unfortunately. Or we could have done some trades. Um, I got the brain. Rest in peace. I got uh, multiple Hulk Hogan's. Okay. Yeah. You got uh, Macho Man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got Ultimate Warrior. Nah, Ooh, nah I'm not a modern day. Uh, <laughs> modern day. <laughs> he said WrestleMania six five. Okay. All right, well, good luck. I hope you Thanks. can sell those. Yeah, yeah I thanks. hope that page yeah. uh, page helped you out there. Yeah, you gonna make some money. Let me hit him up. Um, <laughs> next one here. Some episodes ago, someone wrote in about how he tried to explain the funny origins of stepping on the beach to someone who didn't appreciate it. After a moment, it dawned on me that. Despite enjoying beach stepping and the music that goes with it, I have no idea where that originated. Anyway, now that you guys have been going for so long, I'm sure there are plenty of fans like myself who've been listening for a long time, but not quite long enough to know some of the origins of the inside jokes we all love. So what are the origins of beach stepping? That's from Alex P.S. I'm stoked to see you guys at All-Star Weekend in Chicago. My girlfriend and I are going to be coming up to the live show from Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Good stuff, Alex. Excited mm. to see you. I keep forgetting we're doing a live show in yeah, Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because we posted that we were doing it and it sold out so quickly that we're like, oh, okay, that was cool. <laughs> and uh, I keep forgetting we are doing that. But yeah, that's uh, happening on Saturday, February 15th. And unfortunately, if you didn't get tickets, sorry. Maybe get them on the, <laughs> get them on the black market if you can. Trade a couple wrestling figures for them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the going rate is for a No Dunks ticket. What are the origins? Yeah, for Beach uh, Why do you take this great one? question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know well, really. I mean, we we used to take breaks in the show, I guess, and then the that song, I just played it randomly when we were coming into a a, a mailbag segment, and it just struck a nerve, I guess. The the lyrics, which aren't stepping on the beach, no, I don't think, but it sort of sounds like it. Kind of sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it just kind of stuck. I don't know. Yeah, the only Dude. reason why the lyrics are there is because someone started saying as the beats come in, mm. beach, beach, step in on the beach, yeah. beach. Yeah. That's the only reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Totally. What? Shouldn't have told that story. <laughs> what, is the, what is the song called again? Do it's you called uh, Dirty Talk. Yes. I like that. Uh, part. On an album called This Is Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can search it if you if you're not be at work. Careful, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, be uh, careful. It's actually on Spotify. Okay. There's 75 songs on that album, and they're all similar. So <laughs> you can have a have a great old dance party. It's yeah. on YouTube as well if you search Dirty, yeah. Dirty Talk. Okay. Some of the, some of the, some some of the the track titles: Feeling Filthy, Riding the Bass, Body Heat. Oh, I love the titles. <laughs> Grind Low. I do wonder, like, were we talking about something beach-related, and then the song was played, and then it sort of tied into, because we had just been talking about it, or was it, yeah, just simply someone was like, does that sound like they're saying, stepping on the beach? Like, It's very possible. Yeah, I, I, very possible. I don't know. Maybe Matty O. Matty O's listening. Yeah. Let us know. He remembers this type of stuff. All right, next one here. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to my email. Ryan from Sacramento here. Big fan of you guys and a big Kings fan. After Marvin Bagley went down in the first game of the season, I was asked by this older guy what the Kings would do without Bagley. I told him they should give him some minutes to Wenyan Gabriel. <laughs> Wenyan Gabriel, yes. He somehow had never heard of the Stockton Kings legend, 
when I was explaining his game to him, I called him a poor man's Pascal Siakam. <laughs> I don't think he knew who Siakam was, this guy that Ryan was talking to. Anyway, what are some other weird poor man's examples you've used of lesser-known players? Again, that's from Ryan. Shout out to Ryan being a Kings fan. Mm. I think it was just yesterday that I called Andrew Wiggins the rich man's Glenn Robinson the <laughs> third, which then makes Glenn Robinson the third the poor man's Andrew Wiggins. Oh yeah, you're right. That's a that's a weird Ooh. one. So Ooh. yeah, I think that's fair. You know, they both can run around and dunk, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, Wiggins at this point, you would think he averages one point per game. Yeah, yeah. The guy's still like a twenty point per score, yeah, and can have games where he takes over. You're right. Has the flashes. A couple for me. Early on, uh, John Henson, I had a poor man's Tyson Chandler because he was kind of long and thin, shot blocker, could grab those uh, oops and dunk it down. And I had high expectations for John, Ho- John, not John Collins. Um, John Henson? John, John Henson. Henson. John wow. Henson, yeah. yeah. Is he even still in the league? Yeah. yeah He's yeah. a Cav. That's right. Yeah. He was uh, just in trade talks yeah, that's yeah. Right. with the Knicks. And then uh, another guy early on in his career, I had Goran Dragic as a poor man's Manu because of the way he played lefty foreigner he had that one breakout game against the spurs in the playoffs too at 23 in the fourth quarter yep and i thought man he this is manu this is manu 2.0 yep and you know he's had a decent career goran but he's no manu no it's good good one though i could see that at the time for yeah. sure i remember talking about that game about uh how he looked like that absolutely has you got any i think um Alan Ray is a poor man's Ray Allen. <laughs> Terrence Davis is a poor man's Terrell Davis. <laughs> Linus Claza is a poor man's Linus Claza. What do I mean by that? Yeah. He's, uh, he's m- more often than not a bad version of himself because <laughs> uh, he's a real Altizo type dude. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think Alfonso McKinney, also a poor man's Andrew Wiggins, they remind me a lot huh. of each other. I think if Andrew Wiggins got traded to the Warriors, I'd – I'd see Alfonso McKinney out there in hmm. a in a Warriors jersey. Okay, and then uh, for me, it's um, I I, got, I caught a lot of flack for this. I remember when he made his way to the Bulls, but Otto Porter has always been a poor man's Jeff Green to me. <laughs> always, 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 always. Um, and some people disagree with that, but I see a lot of similarities because you're like, hey, this guy could be good. He's got all the tools. Sometimes he is. And a lot of times, you don't even know he's out there playing basketball. Happens a lot with both those guys over their career with Jeff Green and even more recently with Otto Porter. But that's uh, that's that's my poor man's. They're similar, no yeah. doubt. Next one here. Hey, no dunks. Growing up in an era before League Pass, it was hard to see a lot of NBA players actually play in games. Now we can easily watch as many games as we want and have a good feel for every team. Which leads me to my question. What's an example of an NBA player that you became a fan of before ever seeing them play in an actual game? For example, my younger brother became a big fan of Todd Day because he had a basketball card with him dunking on it. Personally, I decided I really liked Danielle Marshall because there was a cool artistic rendition of him in an issue of Beckett Basketball Monthly. (laughs) And around our house, Pete Chilcutt was a legend because he was money from three in Tecmo Super NBA Basketball for the Super Nintendo. Love having the daily podcast. That's from Jesse in Michigan. I would say for this... A majority of guys from like the 95, 96, or 96, 97 seasons would be my answer to this. Guys that I was fans of, uh, guys that I was a fan of before ever seeing actually play. Because I've said this before on the show, I was playing fantasy basketball with my friends. This was pre internet, so we were doing it. 
And, you know, you know, outside of watching the big games on whatever NBC or stuff like that, I'm not being able to see Terrell Brandon play or Vin Baker play or Tom Gugliotta play or Kendall Gill play. Like, not a whole lot by any means. Um, you know, barely even highlights. I mean, like, maybe they're in a top 10 on, you know, inside stuff. But I knew all these guys and I knew all their stats in those particular years because we played fantasy basketball. So I became like, you know, you're like, oh, this guy's good. I remember I remember Tom Gugliotta was the, the talk <laughs> of the town for a year. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in fantasy ball. And so, and I had probably, I barely had probably ever seen him play. I knew what he looked like, but I rarely had seen him play. So any of those sort of 95, 96, 97, you know, Mookie Blaylock, like those, that era, uh, guys that put up numbers, <laughs> for sure is my answer. I became a Corliss Williamson fan because he was, like, dominant in college basketball games. Like, in yep. college basketball video games, for whatever reason, Corliss Williamson had range to half court. And I was like, oh, this is sweet. This guy's going to be the next Charles Barkley. Corliss <laughs> Williamson, what a name. Yeah. This guy's going to dominate. And, you know, he was fine. He did okay in the NBA, but nothing special. But uh, whew, he was unstoppable in video games. Uh, I was a big fan of Brandon Jennings hearing that he was drafted to the NBA and he said, I want to go and play in China and earn some money. And then when he came to the NBA, he had that 55-point game like 10 games into his career. I remember saying a few, I told you, watch out for Brandon Jennings. He's going to be great. <laughs> and he, well, he was okay. Um, but actually, my answers are... It, so... In 1987, there was this really weird um, basketball series that happened in Australia. Australia played the Soviet Union in six games in, in like eight nights across Australia. Yeah. And two players on that team were Sarunas Marshallonis yeah. and Alexander Volkov, who also uh, had a cup of coffee in the NBA. But I don't even know why they played it. It was just these games. They just crammed them into like a week and played. And Arvita Sabonis was supposed to play because the old Soviet Union. So it wasn't just Russia. It was all those countries that make up the Soviet Union. Yeah. But I still remember at the time, this Marshallonis was amazing and then after that i think he played in the olympics uh for for the soviet union and then i was like oh what's happened to him and then he turned up in the nba just as i started really getting into the nba right with the warriors yeah and i was like oh, i remember Marshall onus he killed us and uh he had a pretty good career in the end so um uh, it was weird to have seen him just for that series this one-off series that <clears throat> that happened did you go to the games no, no i didn't no no but uh i found one of the, i found the last game on youtube yesterday you should see the uniforms that these guys are wearing it's unbelievable andrew gaze has 44 points in the last game too it goes to overtime but they get swept australia lose 6-0 because there's a couple of monsters on that uh soviet oh, team yeah. toshenko this one guy he must have been at least seven two seven three so and 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 again that this is without sabonis who would have been almost in his prime back right, then right. so uh yeah, it was great. But, wait, 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 hold on. Back to the uniforms. Yeah. What was so crazy about them? I'll show you. I'll show you them because <laughs> they're just like they're basically like the skinniest singlet you've ever oh, seen. Yeah. And like, a, these, like a penny. Yeah, and then these tiny, tiny shorts All as well. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, you painted the picture. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, for me, it was Anthony Parker because in 2006 the Raptors signed him from Israel, where he was playing for six seasons. I hadn't watched his uh, late 90s uh, brief career in the NBA when he had a cup of coffee with the Nets and I think the Sixers as well uh, and uh, I was buying it I, I was a Raptors fan back then I was buying it in 2006 buying this juice and I was actually abroad so I read about the, his signing in, uh, in an internet cafe and Brian Colangelo was <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. bringing every Euro slash person playing abroad to Toronto so I was buying that juice and hey I liked Anthony Parker's game at 6-6 I love the way he could play, but uh, yeah, AP had some skill. Yeah, our next one. 
Hello, guys. I missed the quarterly market report you guys have done in the past, so I wanted to ask, which teams do you see running overvalued and undervalued while we are moving towards the All-Star break here? Best wishes from the basketball land, Lithuania. Mm. That is from Povalos. Mm. Yes. Quarterly report. Yep. Used to do it. Haven't done it in a while here, but we uh, one of the things was overvalued and undervalued teams that you either should be, you know, buy, buy, buy right now or sell, sell, sell. Got any good answers? Is it is it worth buying into the Indiana Pacers right now, especially with Oladipo back? Mm. The Sixers in a little bit of turmoil there. Yeah, they could be the surprise team in the Eastern Conference. But I sort of feel like we felt that way about them in years gone by where, you know, they're obviously going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a tough uh, opponent, whoever they face. But yeah. are they... Are they actually capable of beating, say, the Raptors and the Celtics and the Heat? A couple of teams, two of those teams. Could they beat those two teams? Right. I'd say they probably could, but they need everything to go right for them. But, uh, you know, great defense, well coached. Again, with Oladipo coming back, giving their offense a boost, they could be a, they could be a real tough team uh, in, in the playoffs. But, but then again, last year they got swept by the Celtics. So who knows, really, with the Pacers yeah, is what I'm saying there. Okay. But... Uh, I, I think I think they're of all those teams. They're the one that's uh, a, a bit of a dark horse threat. I think out of the East, even more so than my undervalued team, the Boston Celtics. Ooh. Fifth on offense, third in defense, third in margin of victory. That adds up to a top five team, and I don't think anybody really considers the Celtics a top five team. They got three guys who are averaging twenty points a game. The chemistry is great. The pieces seem to fit. They've got a whole bunch of options. They got a lot of guys who can pass the ball. A lot of guys who can make plays. And you know, in the next day and a half they could still get better they could still upgrade a little bit over Daniel Tice or you know just bringing a little bit more depth to the big man position something like that the Celtics are good um and I I would wouldn't want to see them in the playoffs I don't think I'll stick with an undervalued team in the east I think it's Milwaukee Bucks I think it's the number one team in the NBA Uh I think they're undervalued because they're 43 and 7 I mean they are on a 70 win pace and we're just sort of now starting to see the graphics on TNT about it, starting to see the graphics on ESPN's Twitter page about it. But that is amazing. If this is any other team or a lot of other teams, this is huge news. You're starting every podcast, every show with their latest win and domination and stuff like that. But it's just, we're not doing it with the Bucks. They're the number one team defensively. They're number three offensively. They play the fastest game in the league. Obviously, they've got the MVP in Giannis. They've got another all-star in Middleton. Bledsoe is right there in the mix. All these pieces are working. If they're healthy, they're juggernaut. But here's why they're undervalued. Somehow, Vegas does not have them as the favorites to, to, to win the title, which is crazy. Again, this could be a 70-win team. To not even be the favorites with the Lakers still ahead of them, technically, that seems weird. And I get it. None of this really matters until they can put together a run to the finals and, and put up a fight. But that's, that's strange to me. Any other 70-win pace team would be the favorite. With the MVP? I mean, so I still think they're actually undervalued, even though I'm happy we are starting to see people talk about them mm. a little bit more as we near the All-Star break. I didn't like uh, the one tiny, teeny, tiny thing about uh, the Bucks season. Mark Lazary, one of their owners, said that they are focused on getting 70 wins. Don't focus on that. Yeah, it didn't work for the for the Warriors. Just chill if you got to chill. Right. I right. don't think that should. I, I don't think that really uh, has an impact on the way Mike Budenholzer will play guys or their athletic staff will play guys, throw guys out there. But the Warriors did go for it. They went for the seventy three and nine anyway mm-hmm. for the all time best record, and that didn't help. You know, in the playoffs, it 
it sort of wore them down a little bit. So uh, I could definitely see them getting 70 wins, and they're on pace for that, though. They could definitely get there. Uh, I got the Wizards as an underrated team because uh, they're getting healthy. Rui is back. Bradley Beal, extremely confident. He was asked, do you like your chances of making the playoffs? He said, no, 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 no. I love our chances, and uh, they're not that far back. (laughs) No. They're not that far back. So getting back healthy, and it's the Eastern Conference. What a slugfest it's going to be for that eighth spot. It's going to be a battle. And the seventh spot because the Nets are falling fast. That's just exactly what I was just going to say. There's two spots there for the taking from from all of these teams. I think as far as overvalued, the Sixers have to be overvalued Mm -hmm. too. Um, and I know people are questioning with their makeup of the team, and we just talked about Tobias Harris, and then there's the whole Embiid and Simmons thing, and can you make this work? And wh- what about Coach Brown? Does he? Maybe they have to shake it up and find someone else to see if they can make this work a- as the head coach. But like again, I couldn't believe to go back to Vegas. They are they're 14 to one favorites to win the title. That's like fourth or fifth best odds. How the hell do you watch the Sixers team and say they're like, oh, they got like the fourth or fifth best chance? to go all the way to the finals, they might lose in the first round, for crying out loud. So that just, to me, is like, that still is a little perplexing. I get it. I mean, if, if any team I believe in beating the Bucks in a, in a seven-game series, I actually still think it might be the Sixers, just in terms of matchups, that it might be them. Um, but they may not even play them, right? I mean, so, yeah, I, don't, I think the Sixers are still overvalued at those odds. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get how, like, a team, like, even, like, the Raptors is lower, uh, you know, worse chances to... Uh, to go all the way and the somehow Sixers win another title. Do have the best home record if that comes into play at all? You know, if they can get that. Well, I tell you, it's not going to matter too much when you got to go on the road for basically yeah, every series know, here. Eight and nineteen on the road right now. Yeah, terrible. But they're the sixth seed, and they would play right now the Boston Celtics. Yeah. They lead the season series three one against mm. the Celtics. Mm. Yeah, no, I know. I guess that's the they're a perplexing team in the sense, like, yeah, you could convince yourself they could beat anybody on any given night or win a playoff series on any you know any given series, but. You also can flip it around and go, they could just implode. and oh, For sure. And at, at times have. And Ben Simmons calling the team soft and stuff like that. I mean, it could go south real, real quick. Mm-hmm. And it even has sort of at times, and they just sort of keep scraping by. But will they run this? Will they see this through the end of this year? And then will, you know, let's say they lose in a first or second round? Brown would be gone, I think. I, I just yeah. unless there's a drastic change within Embiid or Simmons, I think they'd have to bring in somebody else to see if they could. A new coach could make it work a little smoother, right? I think that would have to be the move. And then we'll go from there. Any other overvalued, undervalued? No, no. Let's keep going. Next one. Hey, Dinkaroos. I've been thinking about this for a while, and finally decided to ask the question: Is Rudy Gobert really a good defender? Or is he just good at being tall? <laughs> what? We're getting some weird emails. Is Luka Doncic really that good? Is Rudy Gobert really good? Okay. Well, his point is, okay. it's not it's not valid, but his point is he gets <laughs> he gets cooked when he has to switch and guard out on the perimeter and is only really effective around the rim. Very easy to do when you're a man of his stature. So I don't know. Maybe he's just good at being a seven-footer and is not actually a great defender. <laughs> That's from Nick in Adelaide. That, that, this doesn't really make any sense because that by this sort of definition that Nick is saying, like Boban should be the greatest defender in the league. Right. He's, he's a big dude. He's one of the worst. Mm. He's one of the worst defenders at the big position. In or the you could say a good on-ball defender like a Patrick Beverly is not good at protecting the rim because he's not big enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. don't really get. I this wanted thing. to include this just because on Twitter Rudy Gobert does get cooked, as the emailer writes, for getting blown by on the perimeter for not being a guy who can defend guards. 
but he's actually decent at it. And you, you've even his his fellow countrymen go, going back to the World Cup. If uh, Nick was watching when he blocked his fellow teammate Donovan Mitchell, chasing him from behind because he had to guard him out on the perimeter. He does that to a lot of guys, and yeah, he's not as fast as Donovan Mitchell or guards, but he's okay at it and it's yeah. tough to find a Giannis Netacupo or a Draymond Green who can guard one through five there's yeah. just not many of those guys yeah. but he's he's pretty good at it and he definitely alters and scares a lot of people when they get anywhere close to the rim even if he's had to chase them from the three-point line yeah Quinn Snyder or Jazz fans or whoever they don't want Rudy Gobert switched on to a Chris Paul or James Harden or whoever but nobody wants that. Nobody wants their big to be exploited by these guys that have unbelievable handles and, and are super fast. But I'm with you, Tass. Even when that does happen, I'm not like, well, wave the white flag. This possession is over. I mean, he's still going to be, if the, if they blow by him, he's going to be able to, with his length, still challenge them at the rim and be a deterrent or be in the back of their minds that he's going to be there. And he does an all right for a seven-footer to try and move his feet and try and stay in front of the guy. He had so, a game-saving yeah. block against the Mavericks yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago when I think it was DeLon Wright beat him at the yeah. end off the dribble and he recovered and uh, and wiped it away at the at the uh, rim. So he can. It's just often, you know, you see a lot of big guys out on the perimeter. They look out of their depth because the, the smaller guys can, uh, you know, cross them up and blow right past them. It's not uncommon to see. You can't teach height. That's why there's a saying. Yeah, you need tall guys. You need tall guys by the rim. It definitely helps. But uh, Houston Rockets say that's incorrect. Uh, and honestly, the Houston Rockets have had their way with Rudy Gobert. So I think that's probably part of why this uh, sure. factors in here is that if you get him on a switch, that's exactly where you want Rudy. But the Jazz do a great job of keeping him by the rim because that's where he's one of the best in the league at it. Couple more. Hey, NDC. I was watching the Hawks play my Celtics on Monday night, and Trey Young repeatedly pulled up with his feet on the Yes Very Large logo, with Young, Lillard, and Steph seeming to push out the length of a regular shot every year, will there come a time in the not-too-too-distant future when shots from half-court or from the backcourt become a normal part of a player's arsenal? My brother quickly said no on the thinking that the precision part of shooting is the limiting factor. I think the limit is the strength slash the shooting form, which should only improve, akin to driving a golf ball or the escalation of tricks that gymnasts perform off the vault. <laughs> I like this email, Sean. That was a well-crafted email, um, you know, asking this idea of, like, are we, are we going to see more and more of these deep bombs? Because Sean thinks, you know, with the strength and the shooting form, why not? Brother says, no, man. It's the precision, the precision part. The further you get away, the less precision you're going to have. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, what is funny, though, sometimes when you see a guy like a Rubio throw a full-court pass to someone right at the rim, and it's perfect, it's on point, people say, why don't you just shoot that then, man? You get three points, you know? So people can put it very, very close, but to actually then shoot it, it's still very difficult. So I can't imagine too many coaches going, let's run the three-quarter court uh, bomb for someone here, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Because uh, Lillard, yeah, he, I mean, he was joking about it the other day. I mean, it, can you imagine a coach if a player just decided to pull up from half court and start bombing away? See, I think it could happen. Uh, imagine you're in a two-for-one scenario. You can try and get a 27-footer, but why not just take a 45-footer? If you're a good enough shooter, it's going to happen eventually. I mean, you would not never thought that guys are going to be pulling multiple shots from logos during a game 10 years ago. Nobody would have thought that, but it started with Steph Curry. Damian Lillard does it now, but it's even guys who you're never thinking about. Chandler Parsons was an early deep shooter. He was stationed a couple of steps outside of the three-point line. Ryan Anderson as well. These are big guys, so they got the strength to get it there, but 
sooner or later, it's going to happen. I mean, a good shot will be a good shot if you can make it. So, I don't know. If you got 30 seconds left, let it fly. You're going to be back in good position for defense anyways. I mean, we'll really get to that if the NBA were to add, like, a four-point line. Oh, for or sure. Or a five-point line over half. Like, whatever. If that the value of that shot actually went up, then, oh, my God, 100%. Mm. But, yeah, until then, I mean, it's still it really is sort of comes down to, well, your chances are still going to be better five more feet closer to the rim. So mm. are we talking uh, 40 feet to 35 feet, I mean, or 35 feet then to 30 feet, then whatever. You're, you're always you're always going to help your chances of hitting it with a little closer you are. But, look, it's it's pretty wild. These guys do, they definitely pull up naturally. It's it's They're not forcing it. They're not, like, chucking it like you or I would. You know, it's it's a shot for mm-hmm. them. It really is, which is the, the crazy part, that strength part, I guess. Well, and look at LeBron. Like, every game we see, it's sort of the Lee's point. We see LeBron almost every game get a rebound underneath the opposite side of the hoop and chuck the ball 80 feet down the court to within two feet of Anthony yeah. Davis standing right underneath the, the hoop. You don't think with a little bit of practice guys are strong enough to shoot it from 40 feet? For sure they are. Yeah. I mean, it, look, a big difference between putting it in a two-foot radius to a guy who can also move around to catch it than putting it in the little tiny hoop. And you're, you're just, yeah, your window still is so closer. much smaller. Yeah. What do you can't, think, Taz? Uh, I think, I mean, a regular part of uh, guys' games, I think, yeah. Like, what, what does regular mean? How many guys, How many times are they shooting a game? I think, I think a time or two. Yeah. I think guys can do that. Like, well, I don't, I don't know if it's – like Trey said about the two for one, sure. I don't, I don't see why not. But how much in a half court set? Like, I think, I think everybody will have it in their quote unquote bag. Like more regular, yeah, yeah. A logo, a guy, a guy per team, maybe. I don't know how many guys per team. How many guys in their bag? Yeah. And the whole thing with maybe driving one. a golf ball. Wait, has that only like are, so? Are people driving the golf ball further than normal than 30 years ago, 40 years ago? I imagine the answer is yes. Probably without checking, I'm sure it's yes. But how much of that is a part of the technology? The club, yeah, yeah, the club and the ball, yeah, compared to what was going on 40 years ago. I don't know, right? Hmm. You got to assume it's same, same, ten- same with tennis rackets as well. The power they get because they right. don't have wooden rackets anymore. Right. Just, yeah. just like you and your marathon running skeets. Shoes. That's right. Yeah, the vapor flies. Whew, controversial, right? Give me that energy right back into it. Um, yeah, they like are. They're gonna at some point. You're right. That is actually an interesting comparison with the technology. At some point, they have to be like, okay, well, that's enough. <laughs> uh, like we, like what? We're gonna literally put you, like little wheels on that you can just like <laughs> cruise on them. You know, at some point, you gotta call the. You gotta sort of make the line. But that's up I'd, for I'd interpretation. Get into running if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> little jets on the back. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, that'd be fun. This controversy actually is making me want to watch the marathon at the 2020 Olympics. Oh, come on. Let's go out. Let's go out. It's a, here in Atlanta is the Olympic trials. So we got to go. Oh, yeah, it's soon. Right? Yeah, let's go watch it. It's very soon, actually. You're right. It's coming yeah, up. Uh, it's right around the corner. Speaking of the 2020 Olympics, Sean, and you talked about gymnastics. Have you seen Simone Biles' <sighs> new trick? Yes. I don't know what it is. I don't know Either what to I. call it. It's a vault. It's on the vault, but it's like, you know, those, is she flipping five times? Four and a half, six, I can't tell. I have never, okay, I'm glad you bring that up. I've never been able to tell, be it gymnastics, um, skateboarders, uh, divers. Figure skating. How the hell do judges, like, mm-hmm. actually keep track of what they're doing? They don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it a tri- They think we do. Is they it do. a triple? Is it a quad? Yeah. Is it five? Did they do this? Did they talk? I mean, I guess yeah. you're just an expert in that field and you can immediately see it, but, like, I have tried to figure it out, especially with skateboarding and, like, snowboarding at the Olympics. I'm just like, 
just looked it looked cool. It looked amazing, but I can't tell you there was a difference between two of those. But apparently there are. Yeah, I have a feeling there's like a like a pre-clearance sort of scenario here where you're kind of telling the judges, here's what I'm going to be doing okay. on this trick. Watch and see if I do it. Because it always feels like, you know, at least in the figure skating world, they're like, on this routine, you're going to see the triple LUTs. Yeah, so one. they have you're it right. all planned out. So I imagine that uh, the judges have some sort of access to that. So they're like, okay, now I got to be watching. How many yeah. spins was that? Yeah, but my point is, like, if Poochie says I'm going to do a 1080 on this uh, cool <laughs> half pipe, I'm watching it going... I mean, he only went three revolutions. I guess I'm I'm, right. pick, I'm being able to pick that up, but I, there's no way as a as a casual fan I can I can pick that up at all. There's no way. I totally agree. Yeah. Sorry, you Poochie. got me thinking of that though with that Biles because I saw it and I'm like, oh my god, that was incredible. And I'm like, wait, was it? Was it? <laughs> does she always do that? Or no, that's something new. I don't know. What's new in vault technology? That's the question. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the vapor fly. Um, <laughs> carbon plates are in the vault now. <laughs> Okay, last email here. Hi, No Dunkers. I had the privilege of participating in the first in the nation Democratic caucuses Monday in Iowa. During it, I told a joke until it died. At the start of the caucus, people counted off by ones to get a total number of possible voters. When the person next to me said, 69, I yelled out, nice, and got quite a few chuckles. Later in the evening, we counted off again to see if the candidate of our choosing was viable. When another person said, 69, I yelled out, nice, once again. This time I was joined by several others saying, nice, laughter all around. During the last realignment of the night, we had to count off again. When one person said, 69, I yelled out, nice, once again. This time, no laughs. Mm. Not even a chuckle. My question is, when have you ever told the joke repeatedly until it died? Former tweet of the week army member. Well, he's sort of dead as well. Sean. <laughs> Died in duty. Sean Hudat Chuck from Iowa City. Thanks, Sean, for oh. the, the great email. At the caucus. Wow. Well, that explains the debacle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we can't keep track of some guy keeps yelling out nice at 69. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the truth question. is, I, well, yeah, is it? I don't know. I do this with every joke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Run it into the ground. You know, one that came to mind, though, that I used to do all the time on this podcast and I feel like I don't do anymore, uh, anytime Tass would mention getting married hmm. or like Danny or something <laughs> like that, I'd always be like, I don't know how it started, but I'd be like, you're married? And you'd be like, yeah, like congrats. You know, like yeah. we just played it up like I was finding out for the first time that you were always just got married. I don't know why <laughs> that, that came That one up. had a good long life. That one lasted a long time, yeah. but I've stopped doing it. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I like that, too, because mine's one that Tass sometimes brings back. I used to say bag of beans all the time. Oh, yeah. And now you never hear it. Unfortunately, until trade season when Tass will mention, yeah, maybe they'll trade him for a bag of beans. I'm like, oh, oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. So I hope we see some minor trades in the next couple of days to get uh, get the beans flowing. Last summer, I uh, traveled a lot until I caught up with some friends and family I hadn't seen for a while. So it uh, gives me a great opportunity to work my uh, favorite joke in. When you see people when you haven't seen them for a couple of years and they say, oh, you, you go to a bar, say, oh, what are you having? I said, no, no, I don't drink anymore. They look at you funny. I don't drink any less either. Come get me again. That's where you're... <laughs> you got to be careful that you can't work it on the same person two nights in a row because they're on to you. So you, you, go, <laughs> you walk into a bar. Hang on, have I worked this joke already? Oh, wow. oh, I did it on him, but not on him. So what do I do here? It's a tough one. It's great. It's great. They love it. They love it. <laughs> JD, you got one? Uh, you know, well, it's... Uh, it's 
we're at peak 69 joke in my house because I have a 13-year-old. <laughs> so literally any time that 69 comes up, he has to point it out. Yeah. And it's always funny. It's always <laughs> funny. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, keep doing what you're doing. Democracy be damned. (laughs) Yeah, you would have chuckled at that third 69, is what you're saying. Of course. Same. Of course. Of course. I don't have a good one. I I mean, I definitely do the same. I definitely tell a joke until it's dead as many times as possible. (laughs) Nothing really ringing in my head. I was was trying to make a conversation out of Tim Hortons, though, one time. A long time ago. Walking, I was trying to make a conversation with a young lady. It was late at night, and I said, uh, she was eating a bagel. I said, that bagel's life is pretty crummy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Nothing. It. it died right there. <laughs> that's it for beach stepping, guys. Keep those questions coming. Wow, TK loves it. Uh, I, honestly, I like this setup more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to make conversation at <laughs> a Tim Hortons late, late at night. <laughs> what? <laughs> keep, keep the questions coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet at us. Hashtag no dunks or at no dunks inc. Hopefully we get some more trades. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, Lee doesn't drink anymore. Or any less. <laughs> Lee is literally out the door. Hi, Lee. <laughs> see you, yeah, see ya. Bye, guys. <laughs> see you, Lee. Embrace the day, people.